Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Welcome home. I'm Sarah This is Doing It at Home, and this is a space for you to feel confident, prepared, excited for home birth. It's a place and time to settle in, be present, really look at when you sit down to listen or whatever you're doing. You could be walking, you could be driving, you whatever it is, that you are acknowledging this as a deposit that you are making into yourself, that you're doing this for you, whether you are preparing for birth and you want to put yourself in that space of empowerment and visioning for the ideal birth, or you are preconception and you're exploring your options, or you are postpartum and want to connect with others around their birth stories, or you just love birth stories. Enjoy this time. Make it special. Make it a recognition and acknowledgement of you doing something for you. And maybe you didn't look at it like that before. Maybe it's just your home birth prep and it's part of your homework and listen to X number of stories, maybe, and that this could be connected to something greater, that this is some self-care time, some self-love time. I would really, really encourage you to look at that and to Hold that as a possibility for yourself. That being said, today's episode is feeling like a first-time mom in a third birth with Catherine Langlois. Interesting thought, right? To have a second or third, fourth birth, but feel like that birth, you're a first-time mom because of circumstances around it. And we'll get into that, and Catherine will explain that. I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen, to hit play. There's so many things going on in life. There's so many things you could be doing and ways you could be spending your time and that we could be a part of your journey, whatever stage of that journey it is. Again, from preconception, 
pregnancy, postpartum and beyond, that we could be a part of that in any small way is so beautiful. And we are very grateful to you for supporting the space by listening. Just by listening, you support the space. There are other ways you can do that as well, like following us on social media, subscribing to the show, subscribing to our weekly email newsletter, supporting our partners and the companies that we collaborate with, checking out our book, our merch, sending gifts of donation or one-time support to the show as a way to give back if it's given something to you and you feel that that pull, that inspiration to pay it forward. We graciously receive all of that. All of it is energy. All of it is currency. All the ways that you connect with us and it empowers us and energizes us to keep doing the show, to keep it running, to keep creating and to keep evolving it. Getting back into the topics of the episode, some of the themes that we talk about, hospital birth, birth center birth, induction, blood pressure, care provider selection and midwifery options in Canada, as well as birthing during the time of COVID, and a polar vortex. (laughs) Canada, polar vortex. So thank you to Catherine for joining us and sharing your stories with us. Check out these messages from our sponsors and then Catherine's story. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Doing It at Home. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, we're wonderful. (laughs) And we're excited to talk to you today. So thanks again, (laughs) Catherine, for joining us. Perfect. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your family, please. Yeah. So um, I'm Catherine. I'm a teacher. And I have my husband, Paul, who is a firefighter. And then we have three little children. We've got Wesley, who's six, Theo, who's three, and Ellie, who is 20 months old. All right. So we're a busy little house. <laughs> yes, that's great. I love it. Well, we're here to talk about babies and birth today. That's that's kind of the whole point here. So can you... Um, Give us a little bit of background on your birthing journey and why you've made some of the decisions that you've made, because you've had three different births, three different kind of plans, and then birth experiences. So uh, mm-hmm. help us understand a little bit about, maybe maybe we can go back to what you originally thought about birth when you were getting ready to have kids, or did you kind of have an idea of what sort of births you wanted or didn't want? I'm curious about that. Yeah. So when we got pregnant with Wesley, we got pregnant really quickly and it was all kind of a blur, like got married and suddenly it's like, oh, hey, we're having a baby in nine months. And so um, my mom has actually been a postpartum nurse for for like 30 plus years. And I always knew her side of the story, looking after women in hospital right after giving birth. And she was the one who was kind of like, oh, you should join this group of GPs if there's like six of them. And that way you'll have one of them there at the birth with you and everything will be good. So we just kind of thought, okay, that's what we do. Uh, Paul being a firefighter, his experience 
anytime he saw anyone like a midwife, it was always when they were in crisis. And so, and all the stories that were shared with him were of times where people were experiencing crisis. So he was kind of like, yeah, the hospital sounds good. That's what we do. And then of course, somewhere along the way, we ran into the business of being born. (laughs) And after watching that, we both kind of sat back and we're like, wow, like we know our healthcare system here in Canada can be different, but at the same time, it's still a hospital experience where they're kind of pushing people through. So we, at that point, we weren't able to switch to a midwife because here in Alberta, midwives are actually covered by the province but there's so few of them that the joke is as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you call the midwife before you even tell your husband. (laughs) So there was no time to switch and we were comfortable enough with our doctors, but it was a little awkward. You know, we would see one person one week. And I remember towards the end, like the one lady made a comment about my blood pressure being high. And then we went in for the next appointment and it was a different doctor and she didn't say anything about the blood pressure. And I sat there being like, is it okay now? Like, what's kind of going on? Um, And so unfortunately for us, my blood pressure did go up. And at 37 weeks, I went to the hospital to just kind of have them check it out. And that was what I was prepared for. And suddenly it turned into now there's an OB in my room telling me that I need to be induced right now, Um, which Again, at the time, like it was such an odd situation. Paul had left to go on night shift. I was sitting there texting friends, be like, who's going to pick me up from the hospital? Like, you know, not expecting that at all. And I remember just like breaking down crying. And it was an intern who eventually was like, well, can she have a couple hours to like go and prepare? Um, So the experience very much became something that felt like it was done to me where we didn't really have control. I had enough trust in the system, but I didn't know that I was allowed to question anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And very much just felt like, okay, this is what we're doing. And yeah, even that, like, because I tried to ask, you know, well, my husband's on night shift. Can we just delay this till tomorrow morning? And it was just like, nope, you're 37 weeks, your term, that's good enough. Let's just go. And so again, it was kind of like, okay, like, I guess this is what we do. And so that really left me with a, like every, everyone was fine and I don't want it to come across as if anyone was mean to us or uh, like forced us into anything because at the time we did feel okay, but it was upon reflection that it was very much like this did not feel as safe as it could have, as good as it could have. And like, I definitely did not feel like I had any say in what was kind of happening. So it was not exactly the experience I wanted. And I remember too, like 37 weeks, I didn't even know that that was considered term, right? Mm. Like there was just so much information that was like, you're telling me this now? Like, um, and it, it very much, he, it felt too early okay. and he himself seemed too early. A lot of like when we were trying to breastfeed, um, I remember the lactation consultants being like, oh, that's, uh, 
you know, he's acting like a 36 weeker and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, cause I kind of feel like he is like my dates got shifted around according to some arbitrary ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a uh, pretty uncomfortable, uncomfortable upon reflection mm-hmm. kind of experience. So then when we got pregnant with Theo, which took a lot longer than we were expecting, um, I instantly went and applied for a midwife because we're like, you know what, we want that kind of relationship from what we've heard. And so I actually had a couple of different groups that called me and we decided to go with the one that was closest to us. We had a meeting with our midwife and it felt lovely and great. She had no concerns about my previous experience at the hospital And she was like, yeah, like, I'm happy to take you guys on. Are you happy to take me on? And it really started that relationship where we could be like, okay, like, this is someone we can connect with. What a great question for her to ask you. Are you comfortable taking me on? Exactly, right? Especially with here, like, you don't really have a choice um, because it's all availability. There are a few more midwives now, but again, because they're covered by the province, it's like you kind of get set up with one. And if that does isn't working out, you don't really have options to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it was nice at the very beginning for her to be like, yeah, like if this is good, we're good. Yeah. And if not, then try to find something else. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're early on, you can do that easier. Mm-hmm. So then so, that... Yes that relationship I'm sure helped with kind of setting up for what kind of birth experience you did want to have or what, what were those conversations and um, how was Paul and all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Paul was very funny. Like I remember at the first birth, he was that classic dad who was ready to pass out. Ah. And like, you know, I was more concerned about him than Mm -hmm. I was concerned about like, Hey, I've got this new baby sitting on my chest. Um, and I know like everybody was like, well, you're a fighter fighter. You've seen all these types of things. Like, why did it affect you so badly? And he very much was like, because I've never seen someone I love in that much pain and like that out of control. So yeah, he, he was very good with the midwife and it was nice. Uh, this was pre pandemic. So he was allowed to come in to all the appointments and, any medical concerns that he might have had were very much she was able to put him at ease about those. Um, I think where things really became different for us with our midwife experience was at 36 weeks. She came over to our house and um, we had a conversation about informed consent. And so it was something completely new to me. She listed off these different things that are part of the medical terms and was like, so what I want to do is let you know what these things are. And you tell me if you want these or not. Mm. And we're like, like one of the ones that she listed was um, an oxy shot or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And I remember sitting there being like, I don't even know what that is. And she's like, well, they gave it to you last time. Oh, it was wow. like, okay (laughs) which then she was able to explain to me that it's like it's something they give when you've had a really fast labor and so I guess I should say my labor with Wesley was all of three hours 
mm-hmm. um, like from the time they broke my water to the time he was out. And so she was like, yeah, like if you have another fast labor, I would suggest that you get it. And I had enough trust in her to sit there and be like, I will trust your opinion. If you think I've gone fast and you think I need it, then you can give that to me. Um, The other things that we discussed were like the stuff that they put on the eyes afterwards Mm -hmm. and all of those. Um, But it was just so different to be informed about those things and to have like that conversation where suddenly it's like, okay, I actually know what's going on and I'm involved in this process. Mm. So that was nice. And um, along that point, while we had a midwife, that's when I discovered your podcast because I was like, hey, I have the option of having a home birth now. And just kind of listening through that. And I was like, okay, like we could do a home birth or we could go to the hospital again or we could go birth center. And at that point, because our experience had only been in the hospital, I was kind of like, okay, let's uh, check out this birth center. And so for us in the city that we're in, the birth center is a house in a community uh, that's been converted into having like three on uh, three master suites. So like each one has a bathroom with a tub big enough they have enough hot, or, hot water tanks to supply all three tubs with hot water for water births, if that's what you choose. Um, it's like a king-size bed that you get to have. And it's very much like my mom, when I described it to her, kind of said like, oh, it would be like having a home birth at your midwife's house. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of um, a nice experience. Plus, then they had all the medical equipment that they would need. And it's close enough to the hospital that if you were in crisis, it's like a five minute ambulance ride Mm -hmm. to get to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So we definitely thought about that and ended up applying for it. And I was getting really excited that it's like, oh, we're going to have this water birth and I'm going to finally like get to experience this other end of it. And then (laughs) blood pressure went up again. We were at 40 weeks pregnant at that point. Um, and I was trying to deny it. You know, my grandpa had passed away two days before. So I was like, oh, it's just the stress. <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually Paul had just gotten off of a night shift and he was kind of like, no, like he took my blood pressure at home and was like, yeah, you've been resting all night. It's still pretty high. We need to phone the midwife. And uh, I refused to make that phone call (laughs) Mm. because I was in denial. Um, But he managed to phone her. And again, the experience with her, rather than somebody coming in and be like, you're doing this now, is she brought us in and she was like, okay, let me check you. And she's like, wow, you're already two centimeters dilated, head's here. Like you're having this baby today. So we're just going to help you along. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to do kind of those natural induction uh, methods like castor oil. (laughs) Um, But she also sent me for a couple of tests and then she met us back at our house. And that's when the conversation became pretty real. She said to us, she was like, it's still your choice. We can go to the birth center and I'll support you in that. But in my experience, if your blood pressure does not come down right away after, 
then I need to send you to the hospital. And then you don't get the choice of hospital. You're going somewhere unfamiliar. Mm. And like, if we choose to birth in the hospital first, then at least we know where we're going. Like I was able to go to the hospital that my mom had worked at for so many years. Um, And so it was, again, that conversation just felt so different than the previous one where it was like, she included me in the decision. And because we had trust Mm. in that relationship, um, I was able to be like, yeah, okay. If that's what she thinks is best, then I'm willing to go with that. And so, yeah, we ended up in the hospital. It was a 26 minute labor. (laughs) So glad that we got there before she broke my water. Because from that time onwards, it was just go, go, go. Um, but still pretty intrusive being in the hospital, even though we were there with our midwives. I, I remember at one point I was pushing and the door opens and this nurse walks in and she's just like, hi, I'm so-and-so, like I'm your nurse on call and like introducing herself. And I swear if we were in a movie, all of our heads would have like just turned and looked at the door and there was this pause and then finally, my midwife was like, we're pushing, thanks. Like, wow. And I remember her kind of saying afterwards that it was like, hey, like, you know, we put pushing on the door. Like, why is she coming in? And I know, like, when I look back at around the timing, she would have just been coming on shift. So it's part of her duties to go and introduce herself. But it was just kind of one of those moments where you're like, Really? Yeah. Yeah. We need to do this. I can only imagine. Bless her. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. It was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, the experience with the midwife and birthing there, um, it was really cool because she was very in tune with me. One of the things that surprised me was when I was in labor with Wesley, I felt that natural urge to push. And I remember suddenly like being like to the nurse, I need to push. And I started and she was like, no, like you do not need to push. Stop doing that. And then she came and checked me and was like, oh no, actually you do. And I remember telling our midwife about that because she was kind of like, what would be something that you wouldn't want to have happen again? And that was my one stick where it was like, I do not want to be told not to push if I need to push. And so we were able to have that conversation where she was like, okay, the only time I would tell you not to would be if like when he's crowning, I'm just going to want to like help you out there. And so I'll tell you to stop pushing. And what was quite amazing was as I'm lying in the hospital bed with Theo, um, she, I had that natural urge to push and she was so in tune with it that she turned to the student midwife and was like, she's having the urge to push. Mm-hmm. And then looked at me and was like, you ready to go? And I was like, yep, like, let's do this. And so it was just that acknowledgement of my body knows what to do. And I'm in the driver's seat, essentially. Like, we can listen to what I need. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and that labor went well. Unfortunately, my blood pressure did not come down right away. So we were stuck in the hospital for a couple of nights. And that very much made me not want to be in the hospital ever again. Okay. <laughs> um, luckily for me, having my mom been on the postpartum ward for so long, enough nurses knew who I was that we were 
not in a private room, but nobody else magically ended up in the room with me. Mm. Um, but there was still like, you could hear couples in the next room having arguments and it was just an icky experience Mm -hmm. where it's like, especially at this point, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'd rather be at home. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of the fast version of yeah. Those two. Yeah, well, they were fast births too. So <laughs> yeah. appropriate, yes. I imagine. Oh my goodness. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's break some of that down and talk about third birth. One thing you bring up, Catherine, that I feel kind of silly and ignorant to having had a home birth and not knowing the postpartum hospital experience. And yet it feels like, duh, obviously that there could be a lot of factors in the hospital where you are and in the, the the floor that you're on that are impacting your postpartum experience. Like you, to your point of other couples and the noise and whatnot, or if you are not in a room by yourself, which to me sounds like, how is that even possible that you wouldn't have a room to yourself after you've just given birth and you're figure out, figuring out nursing and you're leaking everywhere and ha- – <laughs> that. So I just have a lot of compassion for that. And then if you have to have an extended stay, like in your case, due to, you know, the high blood pressure for someone else, someone else, if it's a a cesarean that they need to keep an eye on you longer for just, just that, the energy of that, I, wow, just how that could impact your experience. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that you were like, yeah, I'd like to go home, please. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think the energy is the main thing mm-hmm. because you've got machines beeping, you've got people talking at all hours, you've got people coming in and out to take your vitals, yeah. and you're lying there in this uncomfortable hospital bed. Um, I had sent Paul home because in my mom's experience, like there's no room to have, you know, your partner lying on the bed with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we tried that one night and it was awful. Um, because it's like a single bed. And in my mom's experience, she was like, you know, mom's flying so high after giving birth that she's not going to get any rest. Dad, it's best for you to go home and get some good rest and Mm -hmm. come back tomorrow where you can be supportive and help out. So we did take that into account, but it was kind of lonely too. Like you're lying there with your new baby and it's like, okay, like, hours are ticking away. I'm not sleeping in this room where there's lights and there's just stuff. Um, I remember a few times like taking, I think it was Theo in particular into the bed with me and just kind of dozing off. And then the nurses coming in and be like, I'm just going to take him and put him back in his bassinet. Um, because yeah, it's not allowed. I think obviously from a legal standpoint on there and the fear would be baby's going to fall out of the bed and smash and, you know, mm. be, they're going to get sued kind of thing. Mm. But as a mom, it's like, well, this is what feels natural. Yeah. And this is how I'm getting my time in. Um, and yeah, like you're, you're kind of under watch. So you don't yeah. get to experience what feels natural. Right. Right. Like even carrying your baby in the hallway. I remember with Wesley, Paul was 
like Wesley was fussing. So he'd picked him up, but he was carrying him in the hallway in the hospital. And he got yelled at, like, put the baby in the bassinet. You're not allowed to carry him in the hallways. And again, it's like a legal thing of if you were to trip and fall and your baby got hurt. It's on them somehow. But it just seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely was ready to not experience that ever again. Yeah. (laughs) Understandable. Yeah. And uh, as I'm understanding, it's like a little bit more control and involvement has progressed with you from birth one to birth two. So I imagine you wanting to amp that up as well and feel to use the term control. Someone might use a different word, but the feeling like you're more involved and more empowered in your experience. So tell us a little bit about going into a third pregnancy and birth and what you were thinking this time and what you were planning. Yeah. So third pregnancy was very serendipitous. Like it was kind of a, I was going to give us more time before trying to get pregnant again, but then I just felt that like, I'm ready now. Um, It was really cool because again, my timelines, like as a teacher, I like to have things planned out. Um, And this was outside of my plan, but I ended up being pregnant um, with my best friend who I've known since birth. And so our babies ended up being born two weeks apart. Um, We've had two boys. I really badly wanted a girl. And so I did a lot more manifestation type stuff. I don't know. I like to say I manifest having a girl. Yes. I don't know if that's a thing. (laughs) But um, we, yeah, like it was a lot calmer. Of course, we got pregnant in 2020. So now we're in the pandemic and things were definitely a little more tense. So Paul wasn't allowed to come into any of the midwife appointments with me. But luckily, we'd had our our same midwife. So we had the relationship with her previously. She knew that more than anything, I wanted to have home birth or at the very least birth center. Um, So she kind of instructed me that it was like, you know, let's do things to prevent your blood pressure from going up again so that we don't get into that situation. It was actually quite difficult for me to come around to like she had suggested taking baby aspirin every day. And for me being a more natural type person, like I'd prefer to use, I don't know, uh, like it was suggested to use beetroot juice to keep blood pressure down. I wanted to kind of go more that route, but then the fear of not getting what I wanted played into it. So eventually I did decide to take the aspirin, um, And yeah, like, I think everyone was just a little more tense at that time. Um, And we, yeah, we were going along. Ellie was due Valentine's Day of 2021. Here in Canada, we had a lovely polar vortex, (laughs) uh, which I won't be able to give you the conversion to Fahrenheit, but in Celsius, we were experiencing temperatures of minus 37. And that was without I don't need the conversion to know that that's cold as, <laughs> as <Right>. AF. I, 
<laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, lots of jokes towards the end of my pregnancy of like, oh, hope your water doesn't break outside because it's going to freeze. Like, oh, my gosh. That is wild. Like, it, it was the coldest we've ever experienced. And that, again, is like before wind chill. So mm-hmm. I don't know how often people talk about wind chill. But here, if the wind's blowing, it makes it that much colder. And with the windshield, it was probably about minus 45. Oh, my goodness. So we were wrapped up tight. Yeah, I bet. And, yeah, that kind of influenced our whole, are we going to do a home birth? Or okay. Are we going to do the birth center? Like, is the car going to start? Is the hot water uh, tank going to have enough uh, hot water? Mm-hmm. Like, actually preparing for all three situations Hmm. so I kind of had a bag of like okay if I'm forced to go to the hospital again this is what we're gonna do uh we ended up like at this point home birth became so much more I don't want to say popular um but more commonly spoken of so I started encountering more women in my life who'd had a home birth And it kind of became less of this like hush hush thing and more of this thing to be proud of. Um, So I remember one of the moms at play school was like, oh yeah, I just had a home birth. And she ended up giving us all her sheets and things that she hadn't used. So we had like this box in the closet of all the supplies for that. And then a separate bag that was ready to go for if we went to the birth center. Um, And I mean, there was a little bit of me not quite standing up for myself where I'd kind of like meekly suggest to our midwife that I wanted a home birth. Um, But she knew that we'd also booked the birth center. And I think in her mind, it was kind of like, well, you've paid for the birth center. So why wouldn't you use it? Uh, Whereas for me, it was kind of like, well, like I'm keeping my options open. Mm -hmm. And I remember Paul quite often kind of being like, you just need to tell her, like, just say, I want a home birth. But I wasn't feeling comfortable enough. And I mean, in Paul's opinion, um, by this point, he was like, you could just birth this child by yourself. Like, we really don't need anyone. Mm. You're amazing at this. You can just do it. Like, it'll be fine. So he was supportive anyway, but I think he could kind of see that it was like, you're not standing up for yourself and trying to gently push me to kind of get those words out. Mm. Um, but in the end, it was good. So the the day kind of came and we were watching the blood pressure. It was staying where it was. And we started doing sweeps around 38 weeks so that we could just kind of get ahead of anything that might come. And I don't know, in my mind, even though I know a due date is not an official, like she's going to be born on this date, the idea of having a Valentine's Day baby was not okay with me. (laughs) So I was pretty, (laughs) sorry, pretty eager to get her out (laughs) a little sooner. I'd had a couple of weeks at home, like I went off work February 1st and had a couple of weeks at home where we were kind of like, okay, like we're feeling good. We could do this now. And, uh, but really sitting there being like, I don't feel like I've ever gone into labor naturally. Like, cause my first, I was induced. 
And with Theo, it was semi-induced. Like he would have come that day, but it felt very much a, okay, we're very aware that he's coming this day. And so with Ellie, I was sitting there being like, this could be any day. How do I plan for this? How do I prepare? And uh, yeah, went in for my sweep on February 11th. And then I remember it was kind of like, oh, this feels familiar. Like we're starting to get some contractions, but they're coming every 30 seconds, but I can talk through them. Like all those classic things, you know, as you put it into the app, it's like, go to the hospital now. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty sure I don't need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had to like phone my parents, be like, can you please take the boys? Like we don't want uh, them around. Like it would just really ease our time. And so I remember texting some girlfriends being like, is this what labor feels like? Um, Like, should I be experiencing this? So I felt very much like a first time mom mm. on my third birth, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was shocking. I remember going and like, I ended up throwing up at one point and being like, is this normal guys? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Has anyone else experienced this? But the contractions kind of just stayed like they were inconsistent here and there, not getting stronger. So I was like, okay, let's just relax. I finally managed to eat some food. Uh, We ended up like putting on a movie and relaxing in front of the couch. Eventually, I stopped tracking the contractions because I was like, it's not giving me any kind of pattern and it's frustrating me more than anything. Mm. So we ended up going to bed. And around three in the morning, I was like, you know what? This is starting to get a little more intense. I was like, I think I want to have a bath. But at this point, I'd already had a bath. And sure enough, our hot water tank was not going to hold out for us. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm calling out to Paul, who's in the bed. I'm like, okay, like, here's the start of another one. And it's done. And he was tying them. And uh, he was like, I really think we should phone the midwife. And I was like, <laughs> no, like, I think we got a little more time. It's okay. And he was like, no, like, I'm going to phone her. <laughs> so I think part of me too is just like, oh, I don't want to disturb her. Like, she's sleeping. It's three in the morning. Like, let's, let's just wait. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh And maybe a little bit of stalling of like, well, if we get into a situation where we can't leave, then I do get a home birth Mm. and we'll see. But yeah, he eventually phoned her and she talked to me and she was kind of like, okay, like listen to some of the contractions. And at that point I wasn't quite in active labor, but it was getting more intense and more patterned. And she was like, give me a few minutes to get on the road because she had a longer drive to get to the birth center than we did. And she was like, you know, when I call you back, that's when you can get in the car and come meet us. And so as we're waiting, like Paul ended up making himself a latte because he was like, I remember I was so exhausted the last couple of births because he'd come off of night shifts for both of those. He was like, I was not going to be that exhausted this time. (laughs) So she phones us back. And by that point, I remember telling her, I was like, it's getting more intense and I was barely able to speak through contractions. So we get in the car and that's kind of active labor time. I'm sitting there bouncing myself up, trying not to, you know, trying to get comfortable. It was a fairly quick 20 minute drive. 
Paul may or may not have run some red lights. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're not in a fire truck, but also I need to get there. (laughs) So we got there. And of course, it's freezing cold. I'm in like pajama pants and a winter jacket. And we couldn't remember what door to go in. And so we're trying a couple of different doors. And I remember at this point, I'm moaning. And I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad for the neighbors around here. Like, I must be waking them up. I sound like a cow, (laughs) just kind of these long moans. Um, And so eventually we had to phone our midwife and she comes running out in her stocking feet and like grabs me, guides me into the house and gets us set up in the room. And she's kind of like, okay, like I'm still setting up. My secondary midwife's on her way. Um, You know, just go to the toilet and relieve yourself and like, we'll go from there. And I remember I sat down on the toilet and that urge to push hit me. And I was just like, I called out. I was like, I need to push. And I remember her yelling, no. And I was just absolutely shocked because I was like, you told me you wouldn't tell me not to push. Like, what is going on? And she came running in, like lifted me up and just held me. And she's like, you need to breathe through these contractions. I was like, how do you do that? Like everything in my body is telling me that this is time and it's time to go. My water hadn't broken at this point. So that surprised me as well. Cause I'd written this narrative in my head that it was like, nothing's going to happen until they break my water for me. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I was standing there and it's just like, but everything is telling me to. So she stood there breathed with me and she was just like you want your water birth and I was like yes and so she's like you need to hold on so we got the tub running and everything luckily secondary midwife showed up her student midwife almost missed it Um, but we were able to get in the bath and I remember everything just like slowed down and felt so calm and wonderful and then she was able to check me and it was like, yeah, water's still intact. And then I remember her being like, you're good to go. Go ahead and push. I was like, what? Like, we don't need the water to burst first. Mm-hmm. And Paul got really excited because he was like, oh, my gosh, she's probably going to come out in her water. Mm-hmm. And he read about that and was like, that would be so fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I remember as like, I could just really feel her traveling down. And then I remember hearing almost and feeling that pop and it was about the second last push that the water finally did break and uh yeah then she made her way into the world and I was able to like just sit there in the tub nice and warm and with her on my chest and we had those moments of like you know delayed cord clamping and everything uh I remember the secondary midwife took a lot of pictures. That was a request I had this time because uh, a friend had actually shown me a picture of her in labor that her husband had just snapped on the iPhone. And she's like, it's not a glorious picture by any means, but I remember looking at it and being like, it is so powerful Mm -hmm. and just being so thankful that she shared that with me that I was like, I want pictures like that too. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get some pictures. Um, And then what was really beautiful to me was when they did uh, cut the cord and everything, they handed her off to Paul and he was able to go sit in the bed 
and have skin to skin time with her right away mm. while yeah. I was still kind of getting cleaned up and we were doing kind of, you know, checking my vitals and all of that. Um, it was nice to know that he was in a comfortable spot and bonding with our child, which is not something you get in the hospital because everything's just so, you know, at the, at the very least, it's not like he could have just sat down in the labor bed with me, right. And torn his shirt off. So it was very beautiful. Um, the midwives like then led me over to the bed and they just gave us 20 plus minutes to just be there by ourselves. Um, because it was the pandemic during my labor, I did not have to wear a mask, but Paul did. And so it was kind of nice when they gave us that space, nobody said anything about masking and we were really able to just have that time. Whereas I know girlfriends who experienced labor during the pandemic in the hospital, like one of them threw up into their mask um, because they were forced to wear it during labor, stuff like that. Yeah. So I was incredibly grateful yeah. that we were able to avoid that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like she was born kind of five fifteen, And I think by seven o'clock, they were like, okay, you can go home. Oh, <laughs> wow. like, Amazing. So yeah, we, uh, I remember stopping off at Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, Another I latte. want a big coffee. <laughs> right? Plus I was like, how funny is this? That like, we had a baby two hours ago and I'm just driving to Starbucks. Wow. Like, that is funny. Yeah. That's yeah, something. Yeah. And yeah. So the midwives very much were like, you know, she's well fed. You just take the rest of the day and you rest and like, we'll see you tomorrow mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it was beautiful. We were able to have our boys, like my parents brought the boys back to our house for dinner. Um, It was like, we ended up ordering food and then it was just like so different than being in the hospital. So I'm, I'm so grateful that we got to experience that. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you and excited and appreciate the the breadth of experience you have and that you're able to offer to this space and to other women and families, particularly on the the thread, the theme of feeling more involved and in control of your birth and that informed mm-hmm. consent conversation and, and having the dialogue of risks and benefits and making the choice that works best for you. And I I love how it has progressed in your birthing journey. And I, I feel it's so it's funny when you shared the felt like a first time mom, even though it was your third birth. I I really yeah. like that. And I'm sure a lot of people could probably relate to that given whatever kind of births they might've had previous and whether it was at home or not, but to have a birth where you feel differently about it and how you're involved in it is differently is different. And to even go into labor without, um, intervention or without, um, you know, anyone else assisting you in that, that in and of itself has to contribute to that too. So I'm sure others can relate. And, um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that, that you're a part of this now back from listening in 2018 or whatever you said to to now share your stories is really cool. It's really full circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember my midwife asking me after the birth, she was kind of like, you know, would you, is there anything you would change? And I looked at her very seriously and I said, 
yeah, I would have had it last longer (laughs) sitting in the tub. I was like, Mm. I wanted that experience to be longer. And she just kind of laughed. It was like, okay. (laughs) Cause I probably only had, you know, 20 minutes of the tub. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of that. Yeah. Bringing it all together Mm -hmm. and being able to experience it on my own and feeling confident in myself that it was like, okay, I can do this. Like my body knows what to do. But the question part for me from the previous two births was, does my body know how to get this started? Mm. And so I was able to experience that. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. We do not have plans to have any more kids, but every once in a while I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind being pregnant again and like giving birth again. I just don't want to raise any more kids. I hear um, you. <laughs> I get don't it. know that surrogacy is in my future, but every uh, once in a while I get that urge. Sure, of course, because it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious as we wrap up here, is there anything that you would offer just in a final word of, of wisdom or a resource or a habit or a mindset that a mom could take on who has potentially had births in the past that didn't go the way that they wanted or didn't necessarily feel in control and are looking towards maybe they're pregnant now and planning a birth or would like to become pregnant again and have another birth? Just anything you would offer them based on your experience? I would say that it's so important to have not just trust in your care providers, but a relationship with them and trust in that relationship. So even if you are going with the medical system, um, being able to know that it's okay to question and not that you're saying, well, you're wrong. I don't want to do this, but to say, well, why, you know? Um, because that was very much the difference for us that we had with our midwife was I could sit there and say like, well, can you just tell me why? And then take that information. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, I'm more along the lines of a spiritual person. I believe in meditation and manifestation and those types of things. So I would say if that resonates with you, absolutely manifestation meditations even are what I've believed helped get us to where we were. Um, And just trust your body, right? Like, I feel like so many women, when from the time I first experienced being pregnant to the time now, and having listened to hundreds now of birth stories, that it's like, your body knows what to do. And if that means you need a little extra help, then ask for that help. But just know that it's like our bodies were meant to do this and your body was meant to do this too. So, Mm. yeah, I don't know. It feels a little convoluted in my head. I hope it's making sense. That's great. I'm tracking. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. And and Catherine, I'm, I'm so happy that you got the birth experience that you wanted. And um, yes, <laughs> as, as you said, you know, things came full circle. That's really mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much again, Catherine. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having this platform. Also. 
rules, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.